Y'all look good out there this morning. One of the things, uh, since we're in the month of February, oops, since we're in the month of February, one of the things that uh, the Hills Campus sponsors and, uh, and helps out is the Citrus County Pregnancy Center. Uh, the Citrus County Pregnancy Center does a lot of things for mothers who, uh, and, and, and listen, and they have turned off a lot of mothers and helped a lot of mothers who were going to have an abortion. And so it's one of the things that we give to uh, throughout the year, but also the month of February, uh, we've got, see these little baby bottles? Nothing in it. <laughs> well, anyway, so, and then you know why there's nothing in it? Because you guys are going to fill them up. That's why. That's why there's nothing in it. You're going to fill them up. So on your way out today, if you would, just for the month of February, you bring it at the end of the month, you go out and get you a bottle, go home, pack this thing full of you can put change in there, or, you know, you can roll up bills. You can put a lot of bills in here, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I'm just kind of saying, you know. But anyway, uh, we're going to do that, and it's going to be an awesome thing for our Citrus Pregnancy Center who do a lot of great work uh, for the Lord. Man, they win souls to Christ. They win these young ladies to Christ when they meet with them and counsel them. I know you can probably talk to Sister Phyllis, and she can probably give you an actual testimony about uh, some ladies that have been led to the Lord there at the Citrus County Praying Center and babies who have been saved. And so it's really just kind of awesome uh, that we do part of that. So these are out in the foyer. So when we leave here today, make sure you get a bottle before you leave. Here, honey, catch. This is ours. We'll take that home. Bye-bye. Yes! Notice how gently I threw that, right? Like, honey, go bring it. Here, honey! <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I would never do that. No, I would never do that. Yeah, we know each other. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, right? So, hey, listen, uh, I'm excited about the sermon this morning. Uh, I pray that uh, Lord, this sermon is for every single one of us in the room this morning, especially for this guy up here behind the pulpit. And, uh, and I want you to, um, uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Um, how many of you ever uh, battle with stress? Let me see your hand. Whoa, wow, look at that. All right, so I want you to say this. Say, I'm too blessed. Come on, <clears throat> be with me. I'm too blessed to be what? Say it again. I'm too blessed. Okay, let me, get my, let me get my choir director hands up here, okay? All right. On three, I want you to say, I'm too blessed. Okay, here you go. One, two, three. I'm too blessed to be what? Amen. I want you to get that in your noggin up here. That's southern for your head, okay? Get it in your noggin up here. Beat it in. Put it, stamp it in your brain. You're too blessed to be stressed because we're going to deal with stress in this room this next few minutes, okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer as he clears our minds and our hearts to receive his precious word. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our life. Lord, this is all about you. This has nothing to do with me or anybody in this room. It's all about you, Jesus, how you've instructed us, how you equip us, how you show us that you are absolutely large and in charge. Whether we allow you to be large and in charge, you are large and in charge. Lord, you love us with an everlasting love. Lord, you want to use us for your glory, but also for our good. 
But, Lord, we've got to let you, we've got to allow you to, uh, we've got to submit and yield to your authority to be used, Lord, for good. And, Father, I just give you praise for this time together this morning. Lord, just help us to draw a circle around ourselves this morning. Help us to take good notes. Help us, Lord, to open our eyes and ears and our minds and our hearts to receive your precious word. And Lord, if you pinpoint anything in any one of our hearts, God, may we, before we leave here today and go back home, may we deal with those things that are in our hearts. Lord, we are stressed. Sometimes we're stressed to the max. And Father, we need some help. We need some guidance. And Lord, you gave some great examples throughout the scripture of that. So Father, I give you praise. It's my prayer if there's anyone here that's never trusted you as Savior, never committed their life to you, Jesus, never asked you to come into their heart. I pray, Lord, today, before they leave today, or that they would ask Jesus Christ to be their Savior and to be the Lord of their life. Lord, that's always my heartbeat. Lord, there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to get there. And Lord, you said you're the way, the truth, and the life. You said no one can come to the Father except through me, through Jesus. So God, I pray that every one of us here this morning know Christ is our Savior. Touch our hearts now. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said what? Amen, amen. amen. If you will open up your uh, Bibles to Acts uh, chapter 16. We're going to hit chapter 16 this morning. Have you ever been stressed out? I think I asked that already, right? Amen. Have we all can probably raise our hand, right? If you can't raise your hand, something is wrong with you because stress at some point, we are all stressed. You know, listen, the Apostle Paul experienced stress. He experienced incredible stress in his ministry. Listen, he was beating. Listen, he was stripped, beaten, stripped, left for dead imprisoned, all these things, shipwreck, snake bit, you name it, and finally his head was cut off. I mean, he did not go through some kind of stress. When he got in the ministry, he got into all kinds of stress. He was stressed even before he got in the ministry when he was persecuting Christians. He was a stressed man. He lived a stressed life. And listen, and stress in life is real. Would you amen that? It is, isn't it? It's not life stressful sometimes in all of our lives. It becomes stressful. People today are stressed. Some of you are more stressed than ever. You're very stressed. You're overwhelmed. I think about little kids. Little kids get stressed. Little kids get stressed when they see mom and dad not having such a good day. Think about that. There's little kids that get stressed, and it's, it's, it's sad for a little kid to be exposed to that kind of pressure. It's sad. Little kids are stressed. Middle and high schoolers are stressed at school. Listen, in high school, they got it now. The government has set it up now where you can go to high school. And listen, and if that's not enough, you can go to college for free and get free college classes so they pile on more school, more work, more stress. I used to have students all the time come to me and say, man, Brother Phil, I'm just stressed out. I said, why? Because I got all this schoolwork. I got all these programs. I got all these things that are due. I got to do all this. Like, why are you doing this? Because it saves the parents a buck to go to college in high school. So, and, and it's, I'm not saying it's not a good deal. Don't do it. I'm just saying that we've got to watch our kids. They're stressed out. Our kids can be stressed out. There's all kinds of things coming against them from the left, from the right, up, down, social media, all kinds of stuff out there that's, that's, that's uh, distracting them from the main thing, the main thing of God, the main thing of his word, the main thing of who Jesus is and needs to be Lord of their life. 
There's all kinds of things that are happening. Listen, college kids are stressed out. Kids go to college and they're stressed out. They're stressed out with, with college professors. They're stressed out with the amount of work that they do. They're stressed out with secular humanism. Secular humanism is rampant in our colleges in our country. People become their own gods. They are, our students become their own gods because they don't believe in God. They don't believe. They got professors. They got Dr. Wine and Cheese up there telling them, listen, telling them that God is not real, that God is dead, that Jesus, that the Bible is a myth. All over the country is happening. We're being invaded by the enemy. The enemy has always been here before you and I. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And he's robbing our families, our kids, our college kids. Listen, at work, we get stressed. Do not, we go to work, we get stressed out sometimes, don't we? We get stressed out on the job. Listen, if we're single, we're stressed. Will I ever meet that Mr. Right or Miss Right? Will I ever meet that one person? And then they get married. Oh, I'm stressed out because now I'm married. <laughs> right? So I'm married. I'm stressed out. Stressed out. Listen, and then we have kids and we get stressed some more. And then the kids get stressed, the parents get stressed, there's stress everywhere. And then what happens is that kids leave home, we don't know what to do with ourselves. So we're stressed because we don't know what to do with ourselves sometimes. Because we had all this activity going on in our life. And then we get older, that brings a whole different kind of stress. I'm learning real quick, <laughs> I'm learning real quick. All kinds of stress. And listen, and all of a sudden, you know what? When you start getting older, <laughs> death is not such a bad deal. I mean, think about it. Man, when I'm younger, I'm like, die. No, I don't want to die. Are you kidding? I'm not ready to die. No. As you get older and everything starts happening, you know what? And listen, some of you folks can relate to what I'm saying. Death is going to be something. It's something to look forward to. In Jesus, it's something to look forward to. You want to look forward to it, look forward to it in Jesus. Because the alternative is not worth looking forward to. I know, I used to go to funerals, you go to funerals, and you see people who are lost and people who are saved. You see people who know Jesus and people who don't. And the most tore up people that I would see at funerals were the people that had no hope, because they didn't know Jesus. You watch the funerals you go to and see the people that are tore up. I mean, we're all tore up. We, but when, listen, when a believer, God dies and goes, listen, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. That's precious to God. And you know, and I love doing funerals where I know the person that died that left here, man, he was, he was transported up into heaven in the presence of Jesus Christ. I do not like doing funerals where the people didn't know the Lord that I know of. There was no testimony whatsoever. Those are hard. Those are hard funerals to do. But listen, many of us in this room do not handle stress very well. Amen? I mean, listen, you know. Say amen or oh me, right? So you can do that, right? Listen here, I, I tell you, in our society, we see it, the big push for legalized marijuana. You see it, it's running across our country. We've got this state and that state and different states that are legalizing marijuana, right? And you're like, well, what's wrong with that, Brother Phil? It's a drug. It's a drug. Yeah, I know it helps my aches and pains. Yeah, because you're out of your mind, right? So, yeah. I mean, think about it. It's a drug. It's an, it's, it, is, it is so highly addictive. The THC, listen, it's highly, highly addictive. I don't think Colorado is any better because of legalizing it, do you? I think it's opened up all kinds of cans of worms. 
And so this is what happens is, is because we cannot handle the stress, we resort to something or substance to replace that stress. And we do that. We do that. We turn to alcohol and drugs because it numbs us. It numbs you only momentarily. It numbs you momentarily. When you come back to your senses, listen, it doesn't change. In fact, sometimes it makes it worse. You come back to your issues and your problems, and sometimes they're insurmountable when you come back out of that stupor. And it's worse. We try to take substance over someone to cope with your stressful situation. And it is sad, people. It is sad. There is hope, and I want you to listen. Ephesians 5.18, write that down, 5.18. Ephesians 5 says, and don't get drunk with wine. That's pretty plain English to me. Is it plain or what? It is plain, which leads to what? What does it do? It says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions. It says, but be filled by the Spirit of God. Are you filled this morning by the Spirit of God? Are you truly filled by the Spirit of God this morning? The Bible says instead of turning to alcohol and drugs, listen, God says to relieve your stress, turn to me. God says, turn to me. Give it all to me. Don't be full of that. Be full of me is what Jesus says. Listen, bars in the past, this used to have sign, wines and spirits in 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 the older days. They were dignified, wines and spirits, right? Isn't that funny? They don't say that anymore today. Listen, Jesus is saying, God says, don't be filled full of wine and spirits, but be filled full of me, full of me. No matter what you are going through in life, listen, I pray for the peace of God to control your thoughts, and and you can learn to be grateful. This is my prayer for each and every one of you. In fact, I didn't come up with that. That's in Colossians 3.15. And let the peace, the shalom of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body. Listen to what he says. Control, circle that. Control your what? Your hearts and be thankful. God wants to take over your stress. God wants you you to give your stress to him. God wants you to give your life to him. Everything. And so, you know, as we go in this this morning, I want us just to pray just for a minute that God just speaks to all of our hearts here this morning. Can we do that this morning? Let's pray together. Lord, help us to change, listen, not necessarily our circumstances, but our point of view. Help us to change our point of view this morning. Lord, deliver us, deliver us in our time of stress to take a different perspective Listen, in the situation, help us, Lord, to be everything, God, that you called us to be. Help us to discover what our calling is, what our purpose is this morning. Help us to hear your voice this morning. Help us to be delivered from ourselves and from the wicked one. Help us to trust you fully, trust you only, trust you in every instance of our very life. And, Father, we give you the praise and we give you the honor and the glory for what you're about to do here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So how, to, how, how, how do you handle stress? Are you all ready? Buckle. There you go, sister. Buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. In order to handle stress, 
I need to trust that, number one, that God loves me. You know that God loves you. You, gotta, you can't get to number two till you get past number one. Listen, God loves you. I meet too many people that go through this life and they think God is this heavenly father, old man, big beard, and lightning bolts and saying, hey, boy. He can be. We know that he can be. But we know that's not, that's not in his character and nature. His nature is to love us. He loves you. He loves you in spite of you. He loves his creation. He made you like him. You're the image of God. He made you like him, and he loves you. Listen, he loves you. He demonstrated his love. How did he do that? He sent his son Jesus to the earth, and he didn't have to do that, but he did that because he loves you that much. He loves you so much. He came to earth and died for you to have your sins forgiven. I pray you trusted in his blood for the forgiveness of your sins this morning. You need to do that if you've never done that. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Part of the problem is we are all numbers in this world. Think about that. Who here has a social security number? Right? Um, you go to the hospital, sometimes you get a hospital number. Right? Um, let's see, you get a loan number. Sometimes you get a loan number, you get a loan number, so you're a number, right? Number so-and-so, and Mr. George, whatever, right? You get a number, right? Driver's license, you have a number, right? So, so in this world, we're like, we're numbers, right? We're like numbers. No, 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 no. I want you to know that you are not a number. You have a name. You have a name this morning. He knows your name. Listen, he knows your situation. Listen, he knows your story. He knows your circumstance. He knows your everything from beginning to end. He knows you. You're beautifully and wonderfully made, Sister Kathleen. We're all beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of a holy God who loves you so much to come to earth and give his life a ransom for many. And that's all of us, for you and for me. Listen, think about this. <laughs> he flat loves you. He loves all of you. There's not one person he does not love. I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been, and where you're going. God flat loves each and every one of you. He doesn't love one person over another person. He loves everybody the same. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Say, God loves me. I believe it this morning. God loves me. He loves you. He loves us all, right? Now, listen, think about this. Think about this for a minute. Think how less stressful the DMV would be. Mm -hmm. While visiting, while visiting that you would be loved when you walked in. You know, I could say, hey, come on in here, Mr. Horn. Sit right here. Let me get you some breakfast. Wouldn't that be so cool? I would love that. In fact, why are you here, Mr. Horn? And later on, he's like, let me give you some lunch. In fact, later on, hey, let us give you some supper, because after all, you're going to be here all day. <laughs> right? Does that not happen? Sometimes that happens, right? Anybody? I got a witness, right? But anyway, think about that. 
It'd be much more pleasant when you are loved. Amen? Much more. Think about how different it would be if you knew you were loved. Or you went to the hospital loved, not as a patient. What if you went to the hospital loved, and in fact, you went but as a brother or a sister or a mother or father, a son or daughter, right? How different stressful situations would be. Life would be just a little bit different. Now listen, I must understand that I may not be loved by different people, but I am loved by God, and God loves even me and even you. Amen? In fact, in Romans 8, 38, listen to what it says, Romans 8, 38, 39. It says, for, Paul said, I am, for I am persuaded that I'd even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, listen, height or depth or any other created thing, will have the power to do what? To separate us from the love of God that is in who? Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, it doesn't get any plainer. How much does God love you? He loves you this much. And beyond. To infinity and beyond. Oh, that's, that's Buzz Lightyear. Okay. But that's Jesus. He loves us. He's always loved us. He always will love us. And he always will love you. God has proven his love for you through sending his son to endure the stress of the cross. The reason we all pray in Jesus' name, listen to this, is because we have a high priest. And this high priest understands our stresses. He understands your stresses. He understands my stresses. He understands that he personally knows what it's like. He has walked through everything just as we have, but much, much more in all of his stresses, dying for you, for me, for the entire world. Listen, just to let you know that God loves you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you're going through cancer. It doesn't matter if you're going through divorce. It doesn't matter. God loves you. Hey, kids gone crazy? Listen, God loves you and your crazy kids. He loves you. He flat loves you. God loves you even if you lost your job. And God loves you even if you have a few months to live. God loves you. Let his love sustain you. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. How much did he love you? He gave everything to demonstrate his love for you. We need to love him with everything that we are. Everything that we are. Sometimes we get so busy in life, we forget that God loves us. You ever been there? I've, I've been there. The Bible says six days you shall work. One day you will rest in Exodus 23, 12. Six days you work, one day you do nothing. Listen, but worship the Lord. I got to put that in it because that's true. It's set aside that we would spend time with the Lord. Spend time in the Lord. Rest. We need to rejuvenate. We need to have that restful time. In fact, he said, neither you nor your servants, even the animals, they all get a break. Everybody got a break in the Old Testament. Don't do anything but rest. Absolutely nothing at all but rest in him. Worship him. Worship him. This is a good time to rest. Because I'm resting. I'm not going to I go on vacations. Listen, one of my favorite things to do is to go worship with other Christians on Sunday. At a place I've never been before. I love it. I lick my chops to go. Find a good church. 
and go and worship the Lord. I love it to see other people. Then I can meet other people I've never met before, and I probably would never meet again this side of heaven, and go, and we have one thing in common, and that one thing is Jesus. There's nothing. You miss out. I mean, if you don't do it, I mean, I'm not saying you have to, but if, if you don't, you ought to try that sometime on vacation. I just want to encourage that. And the rest of them. In fact, Psalm 46.10, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that. Some of us need to take a chill pill, right? We need to relax sometimes. Sometimes we'd be overworked and we're overstressed. We're doing 40, 50, 60 hours a week trying to make ends meet, trying to support our families, husbands working, wives working, children going to school, children going to daycare, children going to Awanas and churches and stuff, and, you know, and just trying to do all these things, 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 and we're going to and fro, to and fro. Everybody's going this way, that way, every way, and we never find time to get along with God and to spend time with the one who created all this stuff, all of us. He created all of us, and he loves us so much, he wants us to spend time with him. Do you spend quality time with him? Do you have a place and a space in your home where you can get down and get alone with God and just rest in him? Do you ever take some time off with your family and just go somewhere and rest and just admire the beauty, admire the things that God has created for all of us, for his glory, for our good? It's amazing. You know, Sister Denise and I, sometimes I just, I'll get... We get wrapped around. We're doing so much. We're like, going, 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 going. I think ever since I got out of the military, I had more time in the military than I did when I got out in the ministry. I don't know. I don't understand it. We spent 17 years with student ministry doing teenagers. And, man, we were going every summer. I loved it because I got to ride about 12 roller coasters a year. I love coasters, but it's like, oh. Now not so much, man. My back kind of bothers me now a little bit. But anyway, but it's. But, but we were always going. We were going this, doing this, doing that, doing that. That's what kept my, my darling wife so young looking. Right? You don't think so? I think you are. I think you're very young looking. So it's very awesome. So listen, but here, one of the things that Denise and I love to do, we love to go to Disney. We go to Disney and relax sometimes. You know why? You Because know, in this age and stage of our life, we go there and we hold hands and we walk down Main Street, Disney, you know, and we go sit on benches, and, and let, you know what we do? We watch all the other parents stress out over their kids. <laughs> and we just have to sit there and smile, like, you know, and just have some fun with that. No, 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 no. But, you know, you know, truthfully, you know what I do? We try to be salt and light. When we go into theme parks, we try to be salt and light. We want people to know that, you know what? I mean, Disney had a wonderful imagination. God gave him a wonderful imagination. And if you heard Disney's story, you go, wow, what an amazing story. Man, he failed time and time again, but he never gave up. He kept getting up, brushing himself off, and doing what he did. It's amazing. I sit there, and I've taken my grandkids there when they were three, and now they're like 13. And I'll never forget, I sat there, and you know, this is what would come through my mind. I see all these sea of people sitting there, and I'm thinking, I wonder what heaven's going to be like. <laughs> you know, everything in there was like happy, everything was really cool, and I'm thinking, I wonder if heaven's going to be a little bit like this. I don't think heaven's going to even compare to Disney. I think heaven's going to be so wow, Disney doesn't even come a fraction close to what heaven's going to be like. And the other thing that would burden my heart is I look around those sea of people and I wonder how many are going to be in heaven. So it's something to think about. So it can be stressful at Disney for a preacher 
And you sit there and you go, wow. But it is a time for us. We have to just get away sometime and unplug a little bit. And that's what we do. We'll go there. So, number one, God loves me. Number two, God has a plan. God has a plan. You think he did this without, listen, he has a plan. In fact, he sits at the end of the plan, looks back and seeing it manifested right before his eyes. He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He knows it all. He has a plan for you specifically. And he's trying, he's trying to desperately get you to get on board with his plan. Not worry about all this stress and stuff. Not letting stress distract you from his main plan for you. How many of you have been watching, I hate to say this, the impeachment process or fiasco or whatever you want to call it, right? I watched it a little bit, turned it off. It will stress you out. It will. i got to turn it off. We're doomed, right? Jeez. It's like a bad marriage. It is. It really is. It's like a bad marriage, right? It is. You know, I'm used to in marriage counseling, I look at I look at I look what she has to say and she tells me. I look at what he has to say and he tells me. And I know somewhere in the middle is the truth. Somewhere. Somewhere. But the only problem with this is I don't think these guys are in the middle at all. I think they're 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 way out. They're way out. I believe that. The real truth, though, the absolute truth, is what we are talking about right here, right now. Forget about that mess. Forget about it. This is the truth, and we must learn to follow his truth. God has a plan, and you are in his plan. You are the plan. And the sooner we come to grips with that and get on board and grab and get on board with him, the sooner, listen, your life is going to, amount to something that is extraordinary, more than you could even comprehend or think. We have to get on board. Listen, if the church can survive Nero, who was a Roman Caesar dictator, who took Christians and would impel them and burn them at the stake to light his dinner grounds, if the church can survive that, the church can survive what we're going through right now. And it will survive. And it will thrive. And it is thriving. Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen, this is one of the darkest days for Israel. They're in captivity. They're being held in captivity. And Jeremiah writes, he said, For I know the plans I have for you. He said, This is the Lord's declaration, Israel. Listen, plans for your what? For your welfare and not for disaster. God plans for our welfare. He doesn't plan for disaster for us. He wants to give you a future and a what? A hope. Some of you may not have a plan for how you're going to pay your next rent, but God has a plan. He does. Listen, God has a plan for you. It's about how to rescue you. It's how to save you. It's how to get you. It's how to redeem you, to reveal his love for you. God's plan is centered on Christ. It's centered all on Jesus. So God loves me. God has a plan for me. Number three, life will not always make sense. This is huge, folks. This is huge. Life, does it? It doesn't always make sense. Listen, this is for all the perfectionists in the room. Life doesn't always make sense. Listen, I don't know why a woman who should never have children has tons of kids. I don't understand that. And I don't know why a woman who would be great with many children has none. 
I don't understand that. I don't know why stupid people get rich. I don't. I don't know why that happens. But at the same time, listen, but some people are brilliant and they're broke. I don't understand that. Don't understand why healthy people get cancer. I don't understand that. And people who inject Krispy Kreme donuts into their veins, listen, they live to be 100 years old. I don't understand that. I mean, I look at George Burns. Some younger people don't know who George Burns is, but George Burns was smoked all his life, and he lived over 100 years old. What was he, 105 when he, when he passed? I can't remember. He, smoked, he always had a cigar in his mouth. Always. George Burns. I don't understand that. Sometimes life doesn't make sense, and it will stress you out. And when you try, especially when you try to figure it out, you will be stressed out trying to figure it out. God says it won't. Listen, God blesses evil, and God blesses good. It rains on the just people, the right people, and it rains just on the wrong people. But in the day of judgment, listen, the evil people are going to give account for their life. Make no mistake about it, God knows who his children are and who his children are not his children. And we're all, saving the law is going to give an account for our life. And it's important for us to live a holy life. Because you're going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says every single mouth is going to be shut. Because you're going to be realizing, going, whoa, look where I am. It's amazing. Things will make sense on Judgment Day. But until that day, life is like a circus or a roller coaster on this planet, right? It's just plain weird sometimes. It just is. You follow me? Amen? Listen, last week in Acts 15, there was a big question. And the big question was, in order to follow Jesus, you have to become what? Jewish. You have to be circumcised. Remember, we talked about conflict last week. And there was a conflict with the Gentiles. They weren't circumcised, but certain Jews said they had to be circumcised to be saved. And so it was a big deal to Paul and to Barnabas, and they ran down to Jerusalem to the council of all the apostles. And James gets up and makes a determination no, they don't have to be circumcised. It's a big deal. They don't. The apostle, listen, the answer is no. The apostles, Paul, Bar, Elder James, everybody decided what to do. They told them, what church? No circumcision to be saved. None. The Gentiles were very happy with that. And personally, I can understand that. <laughs> Remember, life will not always make sense. And now I want to continue. In Acts 15, you don't have to be Jewish to follow Jesus. In fact, what happens at the end of 15 is Paul and Silas have conflict. Uh, Paul and Barnabas have conflict, and they have a fight, and they go their own separate ways. Barnabas goes with John Mark. Paul ends up going with Silas. This is where 16 picks up with Paul and Silas. But you know what? The, in, this, in the conflict, it actually was a positive thing because instead of one team, now there's two spreading the gospel. And it's an amazing thing. And so we pick up in Acts 16, verse 1. Let's read this together. Then he went on to Derby, Paul and Silas, and Lystra. This is where they had gone before in the first missionary journey. Where there was a disciple named Timothy. <laughs> this is interesting. The son of a believing 
circle this Jewish woman, but his father was a what? Greek. Circle that. Which means Timothy was probably not circumcised. Had a Greek father, Jewish mother. So the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of Timothy. We know Timothy. First and second Timothy. You know Timothy. Protege of Paul. Paul brought him off. Paul mentored him. He was a pastor. Became a pastor in Ephesus. Great pastor. Young man. Love the Lord. Look at this. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. So what did he do? So he took him and did what? He circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places since they all knew that his father was a Greek. Because that's what they did with the Greeks. To be a proselyte, to become Jewish, you had to be circumcised in the law, in the days of the law. And so they did this so there wouldn't be any confusion. Now think about it. Can anybody think of something more impractical than being circumcised before you could take a long walk? Unbelievable, right? Listen, they're going to walk thousands of miles. Timothy is like, Paul, what about Acts 15? What about Acts 15? I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Welcome to the world. <laughs> Life will not always make sense. Amen? Number four, God uses difficulties to help direct our life. This is huge. I want you to see this in the Scripture. God uses sometimes difficulties to direct us, to push us where we need to go. You know what stress is? It's actual pressure, usually emotional pressure. Have you ever been so stressed you could feel pressure on your chest? You ever been that pressure, you feel that pressure on your chest? You're so stressed out. Sometimes stress is physical, and sometimes it's emotional, and sometimes stress is spiritual. Yeah, sometimes God uses difficulties to direct my preaching in preparation time. Sometimes God allows stress in your house, your finances, your health, your job. Why? To get you where you need to be in his, in his kingdom, in his plan. Sometimes. Pressure to push you in the right direction. Look, let me show you. Look at Acts 16, starting verse 4. Listen, look what happened to Paul and Silas. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches, listen, were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. They grew. They were expanding. They went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia and were, and now listen, right, circle this, and they were what? Prevented by who? The Holy Spirit. From speaking the message in Asia. That's stress. That's pressure. When they came to Mycenae, listen, they tried to go to Bithynia, right? But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Here's some more stress. Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go. Look at this stress. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are blocking Paul from going where he's going. Applying pressure to the physical mission of his life. Some of you are experiencing pressure like Paul at work or in your personal life. Doors are not opening. Doors are not closing. God is calling Paul to walk in this direction, but then he's closing the door. Some of you may have pressure at work, at home with your health, 
doing exactly what God wants you to do, then a door is closed and you question God, why are you doing this, God? Why is this happening? Some of you are in a dating relationship. This is the one, but then the door gets closed. Sometimes God closes doors to direct where you need to be. He does. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many plans are in a man's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. In other words, what God wants you to do is going to prevail. Listen, you can fight God all day long, but you will lose, and God will always win. Always win. With you or without you, God is going, he is the winner. The winner. You will never outmaneuver God. You will never do it. Some of you need a new vision for your kids. You need a new vision for your marriage. You need a new vision for your job. You need a new vision. You need a new vision. You need to ask God for that new vision. God closes doors, opens doors, trying to navigate you through this life. That's why it happens to you in some cases. God's plan and your plan must be the same. That's the issue. And when you walk apart from God, that's called sin. When you walk across, when you walk in sin, listen, you're walking away from God, not with God. You're not in oneness with God. Sin is a destroyer. Sin will ruin your life. It will wreck your life. We must be in oneness with God, part of his plan, not your plan. When you walk in your way and you rebel against God, the Bible says that's the sin of witchcraft. And that's not a place to be. You don't want that. God's plan and your plan must be the same. Say, I need a vision. God, give me a vision to change and to do different. Look at verse 9, Acts 16, verse 9. Look what happened to Paul. <laughs> he stopped. He's pressured in two places to keep from going. During the night, a vision appeared to Paul. A Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, he says, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. Paul did not waste his time. When he got the vision, I'm sure he got up right that instant and said, God's telling me to go to Macedonia, and he packed up and went. Packed everything up. Paul had to get a new vision. And where was he to go? Sometimes Paul got it wrong. We know twice he got it wrong, and he got stopped, right? Two times. Sometimes you need to give yourself a little grace, because we all get it wrong sometimes. This big old boy gets it wrong a lot of times. You know the hardest person to forgive is who? Is you. Hardest person to forgive. Paul went the wrong way twice. Yeah, you blew it at work. You blew it in your finances, family, your marriage. Okay, let God's pressure redirect your life going a different way, God's way. Let his pressure get you. Let him push you. Listen, get underneath God. Yield to him. Submit to him. Let God direct your every thought, your every action, your every life, your every circumstance. Let God be in it. He's in it. Number five, even... You're going to like this one. Even the most irritating people in your life are loved by God. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one, right? <clears throat> now, all right, let me ask you a question. How many of you would say that your stress comes from a person? Now, don't point to them. <laughs> Do not point to them, all right? Most stress comes from people, people we work with. 
Let me see the hands. You get stressed at work, let me see your hands. You're all right. They're not here. You can send them under the bus. Go for it. Right? Think about that. They're not here, right? So how, how about your neighbor? You have a stressful neighbor? <laughs> We've had stressful neighbors before. You can all probably tell some stories about that. Listen, how about a family member? You have family members that stress you out? Yeah. Sometimes you wonder, right? But listen here, I want you to know something. Understand this. Even the most irritating people are loved by God. Even the most irritating people are loved by God. It's true, they matter to God. You know what we all tend to do? We focus on the sin of the person rather than the heart of God for the person. Somebody got their cell phone stuck on? Okay. <laughs> but y'all get that? And the irritating, listen, how many of you, we have irritating people, and what do we do? We focus on, listen, is, is he trying to get me? He's trying, is he playing a game? <laughs> Sorry, brother. I'm going to pray your mother-in-law lives and moves in with you, brother. <laughs> no, no, no. That's all right. I love y'all, man. You're trying to stress me out? Come on. God will get you for that, right? But think about it. We focus on the sin of the person rather than on the heart of God for that person. It's so easy for us to do, right? Amen. It's true. We do, don't we? Listen, when you focus on people and their stupidity, listen, it will make you nuts. Listen, people are crazy. People are stressful when people don't do what they say they will do. People lie. You look at the face, you watch their lips move, and they're lying right to you, and you know it. Even the most irritating people are loved by God. Don't miss this. God has a plan to redeem even the most broken of people. I want to skip down to verse 16. Paul headed to a place of worship. Hey, listen, do you all know there are irritating people in the church? I'm probably one of them. Some of you are being irritated right now. <laughs> Even going to church can be stressful. We all want to be comedians. Right. Listen, Acts 16, verse 16, it says, Once as we were on our way to prayer, where were they going? To a house of worship. A slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, Listen to what she cried out. Ain't nothing wrong, wrong with what she cried out. These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the slaves of the Most High God. And she did this, it says, for what? For many days, for day after day. She did this over and over and over. She did it over and over, day after day, until Paul finally had enough. Paul had enough, just like I did. He was up to here with it. What did Paul say? 
But Paul was greatly aggravated and turning to the Spirit said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. I want you to think about this. He did not do this in love. Isn't it nice to know that God can still bless someone? Listen, when we are just idiots sometimes. God can still do a work even when we blow it. Apostle Paul blew it. You know what about that person that is irritating you? What is it? You have no clue what they may be going through on the other end. You don't know how they may be under attack. Sometimes when someone at church is rude to you or short with you or ugly to you, you don't know that maybe she had been smacked by her own husband before she came. Those kids with snotty noses who are not dressed well, maybe they haven't had breakfast. Maybe they're abused children. We never know. That person in the parking lot may have found out that they have cancer, and we don't know it. You know, there are people coming to this church who are stressed, and they are looking for what? Hope. How sad this woman follows Paul for days and days and days before she receives a healing. You're sitting in church looking at someone asking them to stop crying because they're interrupting your worship. You're looking at that mom whose kids are running around. Shut your kids up in the name of Jesus. Right? We do that sometimes. You don't know that her husband cheats on her, beats on her daily, and has abandoned her to raise all of her kids by herself. They have come to church today hoping to hear something that would change her life. Remember, church, remember this here at the Hills, and you guys are very good. Even the most irritating people are loved by God. Amen? And know that that even leaves room for some of you. Paul, listen, they hear, Paul's day goes from bad to worse. You ever had a day that you could say, like, what could possibly go wrong now? That's a wrong thing to say, right? Let's look at it. Look at, look at verse 19. When her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Listen, bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. Then the mob joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrate stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And they had inflicted many blows on them. They threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to keep them securely guarded, receiving, listen, such an order. He put them into the inner prison, the innermost part of there, down in the hole, down in the basement, down in the bottom, and shackled them to the, to the wall in stocks and their feet and their wrists. Paul heals this woman as she was used as the fortune teller for businessmen to make a fortune. Paul and Silas are taken into custody. They're stripped, they're beaten, they're dragged to prison, cast into the innermost part of the prison. This was nasty. This was a hole. It was full of disease and rats and filth. They had no place to go to the bathroom. They were in chains against the wall. Where did they go? They couldn't get away from it. This is the most nastiest place. This isn't like prisons today, folks. 
I want to I want to encourage you. Google Maritime uh, Maritime Prison in Rome, in Italy. You can see where Paul was. You can see the history behind it. Look at verse twenty-five. This will bless you. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Listen to that. The prisoners were listening to them. What did Paul and Silas do? But they worshiped Jesus, singing hymns and worshiping him. Why? Because he knows that God has a plan. We know that God has a plan. We used to be going around singing songs and hymns and praises and this and that. That's why I heard when George Martin pulled up in somebody's house and asked them to come out to their car and turn on some worship music and they were screaming and singing loud and this and that. I heard that. I said, what a crazy nut. No, but you know what? That was awesome. That's exactly what needed to happen. Worshiping God in the midst of whatever they might have been going through in that day. Any one of them that was in the car, Pam and Rick. <laughs> That's awesome. I heard that and joy filled my soul. That was awesome. Listen. Listen, Paul knows that God sometimes doesn't make sense. Don't you think he thought of that? It just, this don't make sense, God. I'm trying to do your work. i got to do your work when I'm locked up and handcuffed and nailed to a wall or shackled to a wall. And listen, and what were the other illegitimate prisoners, uh, the, the legitimate prisoners doing? They were listening to Paul and Silas. Listening to them. Folks, people are always watching you. In church, out of church, family, friends, watching just to see how you are going to respond to the stress that comes your way. Just like what that joker just did. How are we going to respond? How are you going to respond? I could have come out here and said, who's got that? Let me have it right now. I just said, give it to me right now. What is it? Give it to me. <clears throat> I could have done that, right? I'm surprised my, I'm surprised my ushers didn't move on. <laughs> no. I get it. It's awesome. Folks are always watching us. They're watching us. How you handle your stress will either lead you. Listen to this. And this is really, this is why it's so important. How you handle your stress is going to either lead people to Jesus or lead people away from Jesus. How do you handle your stress? I'm talking about even your little kids. How you handle stress is going to lead your kids to Christ or lead them away. How you handle other people, it's going to lead them to or away from Christ. How do you handle stress? Look at Acts 16, 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. And when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. Listen, a miraculous event has taken place. Everybody is freed. The jailer assumed everybody left. They escaped. Now, this is how people deal with their stress when life is bitter. They take the sword and they'll turn it on themselves. Because he knew 
that if they escaped, his life would be demanded of him as punishment for allowing them to escape. So he was willing to kill himself. And a lot of people in our society turn the bitterness of life back on themselves, and they do harm to themselves. The jailer, like many folks today, would say, stress is not worth it. Just let me kill myself. Many do that. Thus, listen, this is not the answer, and it's certainly not ever God's answer. No, life is better. You know why? Because Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Look at verse 28. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are still here. We're all still here. Listen, wherever you are going through, listen, doesn't matter what the issue is. If you have cancer, you're going through divorce, losing your job, Jesus says, don't harm yourself. Listen, we're all here. We're all here. We're all here for you. We're all here here to help you in Jesus, to encourage you in Jesus, holding your arms up, not to abandon you ever. We're all here. We're in the house. Verse 29, then the jailer called for lights. You know why? Because he didn't believe them. He rushed in. He fell down trembling before Paul. And then he escorted them out and said, sirs, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He could not believe what he was experiencing right now. What is the jailer saying here? He says, and trembling, he is saying, how can I have what you guys have? You're singing in prison. You're beaten half to death, and you're singing and worshiping God. Listen, how you handle people in the middle of your stress can either lead them to Christ or lead them away from Christ. All of these legitimate prisoners, think about this, could have left, but they did not go. The jailer did not believe they stayed, thus having the lights turned on. Think about this. Acts 16, 31. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him, along with everyone in the house. He took them that same hour of that night and washed their wounds right away. Listen, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house. He set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household who is saved. Listen, they replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your whole household. Listen, they were beaten so bad that they were bloody. This jailer was saved and his whole household saved and baptized. All because of how Paul and Silas handled their stress. You see? The power of God was magnified in their life, and they handled their stress by surrendering to the lordship of Jesus. Because of their faithfulness to God, believing no matter what they faced, God used it for good to see others brought into the kingdom and saved. You know, Charles Swindoll, I love listening to him preach. Chuck Swindoll, he said this, He made this quote, and I love this quote. I'm going to end on this quote. The longer I live, he says, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me, he says, is more important than education, more important than money, more important than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than appearances, than giftedness or skill. And then he says this, I am convinced that life, and you fill in the blank, is 10% 
of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. 10% of what happens to me. Life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. And listen, your attitude, your attitude, the right attitude, listen, your attitude will determine your altitude of how high you fly. If your attitude is right, I'm a fly guy. What can I say? Your attitude will determine your altitude. I still have stressed people in here. Do I have any stressed people in here? That should be encouraging to every one of us. Right? We've got to get underneath God and let God be God of our life, of all of our life. He is. He's God. He is God over everything. He's there. He's already in position. He's there for you. He just wants you to fall in line. Let's all pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul and Silas. I thank you, Lord, that, man, they dealt with so much, Lord. And, Lord, we, in our frailty, in our finite minds, sometimes go to work. We don't like what the boss says, and we're ready just to jump ship and walk away. Some of us are complainers from way back. We think we've got to have it our way. Society sometimes dictates that to us. Have it your way. We need to have it God's way. And Lord, within the sound of my voice, I can't assume everybody in this house is saved. But there's maybe somebody here that's never trusted you as Savior. And so I ask, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone here that's never trusted the shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin, Lord, I pray that right now they would ask you, Jesus, to come into their heart and then come into their mind and their life and that you would transform them that you would save them, that you would, you've already washed away their sin. It's a matter of them believing that you did it for them and that they would bend their heart towards you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would just touch their hearts right now and that they would submit and yield to you right now. Lord, come into their hearts, Father, and touch them. Lord, that they would pray a simple little prayer and they'd say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. Lord, I've never done this before, but I'm asking you right now, Jesus, to come into my heart. Wash away my sin. Take it all away, Lord. Take it out of my mind my heart. Lord, I want to live for you the best way I know how, chasing after you with all of my heart. I thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life and coming into my heart. Lord, I pray for all my Christian brothers and sisters, God that you would touch them right now. Whatever stress they have in their heart and their mind, that they release it and say, God, I give it to you today. I'm not holding on to it, not one moment more. And Lord, that they'd give it to you right now and ask for your forgiveness, Father, right now for holding on to it too long. Say, Jesus, forgive me of holding on to stuff I had no business holding on to. I trust you with all my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for 
wiping it clean. I praise you for it all. I thank you, Jesus, for this day. Go with us, Father, now. Bless us, watch over us, guide us, and direct us. Show us the way. We know that you're the way, the truth, and the life. Help us to follow you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said what? All right. If you made a decision for Christ, I'd love to know about that. Uh, I just want to see you guys out here in the foyer anyway as you go. Thank you all for being here. God bless you.